I hold a particular fondness for the Pac-Man world name. It represents an era of video games where seemingly every notable series needed to make the jump to 3D. Pac-Man didn't necessarily need to be a platformer in the first place. Hell, it never even needed to leave the confines of its mazes. But in 1999, Namco found a way to translate the gameplay of the arcade game to a 3D platformer. While it is a great game in its own right, I felt like Pac-Man World 2 perfected the concept. Pac-Man World 2 not only conveys the feeling of collecting everything in the original Pac-Man well, but it's also a prime example of how the high score is not dead. It just needed to be retrofitted for the context of the single-player experience. I don't use the term high score in a literal sense. Pac-Man World 2 does have a score counter, but it isn't what I'm talking about. Pac-Man World 2's design philosophy encourages you to collect as much as you can, but no matter how well you perform, you can still have a good time. Much like the arcade philosophy, only this time you're not competing. You're the only one playing, and you're striving to improve. Let's find out how the game conveys this, why people continue to laud this game years later, and why it's still a relatively niche platformer despite it being a Pac-Man game. I'm Liam Triforce, and this is Pac-Man World 2. Perhaps the best place to begin is by looking at how the first game established the formula I'm about to discuss. Pac-Man World had you collecting a number of fruits specific to each level in order to unlock doors that led to other bonuses. You can also find a key in certain levels in order to save Pac-Man's captured friends, and they'll assist you in the final boss against Talkman. Pac-Man World encouraged players to seek out the keys more than anything else, and it's quite rewarding to do so, but aside from that, Pac-Man World's pace was akin to that of a laid-back collect-a-thon platformer. Its levels are designed around uncovering everything and then thanks to their straightforward 2.5D structure. Truthfully, I've always found that hiding an insane amount of collectibles in levels that are pure do-whatever-you-want sandboxes can be too much for me to handle. Pac-Man World avoided this by creating linear levels where you move in and out of the background, therefore avoiding the risk of overwhelming the player. However, this layout presented its own problems when going for 100% completion. There are a handful of moments where backtracking can make looking for specific items feel like a chore. The most fun I had with Pac-Man World came from looking for captured friends and scraping by with the bare minimum. Granted, backtracking in Pac-Man World isn't always bad, the game's levels are creative enough most of the time to keep you engaged no matter what you're doing, but I do think that playing my way is how I had the most fun with it. Pac-Man World 2 zeroes in on that philosophy, while also making 100% completion organic and incredible satisfying at the same time. It encourages improvement, experimentation, and completion, despite not requiring you to do any of these things. It's an impressive feat, but let's break it down bit by bit. The game opens up with Pack Village, a level unlike any other in the game. While the other levels progress linearly, this is a sandbox. So why is it like this? Why would the first level in the game go back on the philosophy of the original? Well, chances are, unless you're extremely crafty, you're not going to be able to get everything on your very first visit to the level. That much is clear, considering the level's structure. Professor Pack tells you about what each collectible does, and you're off. You might be able to figure out how to butt bounce and rev roll on your own, sure, but you won't be able to use them effectively until the game shows you how to use them effectively. And it does this over the course of the game. Therefore, I believe Pack Village was meant to be revisited gradually over time. The arcade plays a key part in my stance on the level. You see, while tokens are not required for obtaining that sweet 100% save file, they do go towards unlocking arcade games like Pack Attack and Pac Mania. Whenever I'd hit another milestone, I'd revisit Pack Village to see what I had unlocked. 
Exciting on the surface level, yeah, but by the time I'd gotten, say, 60 tokens and gained access to the jukebox, I'd be at a point in the game where I'd be learning advanced rev rolling techniques and I'd be more acquainted with the physics than ever before. Therefore, I could retrieve fruit from places I couldn't previously because I didn't have the knowledge or skill before. This is why Pack Village, as a hub world, is simple yet effective. It's unique in structure and it's fun to revisit as you get better at the game and accomplish more. As you continue to play through each level in the game, you'll no doubt end up missing a few collectibles along the way as the game gets tougher. But as the game gets trickier with collectible layout and requires you to become even more resourceful, revisiting those earlier levels and grabbing everything becomes much easier. This is how Pac Village and, in turn, Pac-Man World 2 as a whole encourages improvement. With that said, how does the game teach you to improve specifically? The first world of the game contains simple, corridor-esque levels that ease you into the way the game is designed. I always like that the game conveys how jumping and butt-bouncing works in the bare basics. As a tutorial level, it progresses smoothly and teaches the player things without treating them like an idiot most of the time. The first portion is structured like a classic Pac-Man maze, then you learn to butt-bounce to gain height, break things, press things, and kill enemies. You learn to rev-roll to traverse inclines, and you learn to break things above you with the flip kick. All three levels in this opening world also convey how important it is to time jumps effectively. Perhaps the most important example is these pack dot chains and arcs. They're designed to be collected in one clean jump, and if you miss a few pack dots in the jump you have to completely adjust your timing and trajectory to get the rest. Grabbing the pack dots in one fell swoop is ideal, not to mention satisfying, and while missing pack dots on the surface level might seem annoying, they repeat jumps like these throughout the game and place them under different circumstances. We go from no consequence, to jumping over pits, to jumping up inclines, to jumping while constantly moving. They're designed to condition you to the more difficult aspects of platforming in this game. Canyon Chaos is best at conditioning you thanks to its controlled linear environment, although they change up the pace at the end of the level. There's fruit resting out of reach and you need to be careful when attempting to grab it all. The game trains you to adjust your depth perception and trajectory for each tricky jump through simple little pack dot arcs. The game continues to test you on jumping throughout each level. For example, your ability to survive these buzzsaws are highly based on timing. The metal power-up allows you to bypass them and get the lay of the land, but as you hit the button at the top of the tree, you have to go back down stripped of your power in order to collect everything. I find it enthralling how despite other 3D platformers take the player's knowledge of jumping for granted, Pac-Man World 2 can still teach the player anything about the act of jumping. Okay, so we've established how the game teaches you the effectiveness of jumping, but what about Pac-Man's other abilities, like butt-bouncing and rev-rolling? Well, the most obvious example of how butt-bouncing is used is in the Bedoying levels. It's super fun to fly through the air using these things, but they aren't just here for spectacle's sake. While butt-bouncing does allow you to gain extra height, it's when you come back down where you have two options for descent speed, a light fall or a deadly plummet. It introduces risk when you're just getting acquainted with the move, but it also makes the levels they're prominent in so much fun. It's an absolute joy to bounce around to collect things. And without the constraints of a 2.5D perspective, rev rolling is awesome. Whether you use it to scour the treetops in Bedoying Woods, or climb the snowy path in Ice River Run, it's a blast. It can also be useful in finding shortcuts or secret areas on occasion. There's actually a point in the penultimate level night crawling, where you have to rev roll off the top of a wall to reach the next area. Pretty cool. So Pac-Man World 2 knows how to accustom you to your abilities. But here's the catch. You have to seek all of this challenge out. Not a single collectible is required to beat this game. Therefore, you can choose your own path and make your own challenge. This might seem weird, but without pursuing the teaching tools left for you in the game, the levels will still be challenging. If you're not going outside of your comfort zone, levels like Avalanche Alley and Haunted Boardwalk are gonna hit you like a truck. That's why grabbing everything in a level is key in improving. While the game doesn't inherently have an incentive for seeking everything out, 
collecting things still plays a huge part in improvement. Thankfully, much like its predecessor, levels are designed with completion in mind. Yeah, there's fruit and pack dots everywhere, but conceptually they all work towards the same thing. The only difference between pack dots and fruit is the fact that pack dots intentionally guide the player through levels. Levels intentionally use corridor-esque design so that there are only so many nooks and crannies for the player to check before moving on. In a game with so many things to grab, this is a godsend. Even when levels decide to open up, the game makes sure that you can find your way around without leaving collectibles in the dust, such as in the treetop levels. While they are massive levels, they aren't hard to memorize. Leaping from tree to tree will allow you to wrap around eventually. Ice River Run is literally a one-way street with a few branching paths. Avalanche Alley is a chase through a hallway. Really, you can't get more linear than that. Pac-Man World 2 effectively takes a page out of Crash Bandicoot and creates compelling hallway level design that isn't afraid to get creative. The levels are pretty damn varied. Even when you go into a world expecting something, the levels could drastically differ. For example, Ice River Run has you scampering uphill, then you're outrunning a giant snowball in Avalanche Alley, and finally you're speeding down Blade Mountain on ice skates. On Ghost Island, you begin a frantic run through the haunted boardwalk, then face a culmination of your resourcefulness in night crawling, and finally traverse a giant maze in Ghost Bayou. Pac-Man World 2 doesn't just test you on older ideas. It throws you for a loop frequently. An important thing to note is that levels are usually separated into segments, so before you move on, you can become familiar with each small area and grab everything. Pack dot chains allow you to loop around and grab more. Replaying segments to grab everything when you die is how you improve. For example, Blade Mountain is pretty unforgiving, but after I die and attempt it again, I go for a clean run of each segment. Same goes for Haunted Boardwalk. Even with that final stretch where you need to perfectly time your jumps to get pack dots, I was still having an insanely good time despite my frustration. This game's levels teach you what you need to know, and allows you to seek out challenge if you're acquainted enough with how it plays. That's why when I miss things in a level, I'm not bothered by replaying them. They're either short enough so I can breeze through the parts I've memorized, or they're designed so you cannot miss anything because every collectible is in your line of sight, which usually occurs in levels that railroad you. That's why Ghost Bayou, despite its insane length and amount of collectibles, doesn't feel impossible to 100%. It's just a matter of finding each path in the maze. So Pac-Man World 2 is pretty cool. Despite being really challenging to 100%, the fact that you only have to clear levels in order to enjoy the game is what makes it so replayable. Because I could feel myself getting better with every attempt at 100% completing a level, I believe that's why the game has persisted after 17 years. Much like that arcade philosophy of subsequently attempting to get a better score, I keep revisiting this game to attempt a 100% playthrough, and I've attempted to explain this through the way it accustoms you to its design. But with that said, it didn't make a huge impression on everyone and I believe I know why. Pac-Man World 2 as a whole isn't perfect. While I do believe revisiting levels is the best way to encourage improvement and replayability, and the game makes sure that going through the levels again is fun, sometimes this structure falls apart. For one, a restart from checkpoint option would be ideal for stages where you can't go back. It's not very fun looking for a way to kill yourself to grab what you missed. I did mention that I thought replaying segments was a lot of fun because you could feel yourself getting better, but when your progress is halted because you missed a fruit and you have to find a nice warm pit to jump into, it's not fun. It's not a huge issue overall, though. The real problem comes from landing on checkpoints that you weren't expecting to land on, therefore forcing you to restart the entire level if you missed something. Here's the level Shark Attack. You see this melon right here? It comes right before a checkpoint, and it's probably the most dickish placement of any collectible I've seen in this game. There's a difference between placing things creatively and placing things like an unbelievable tool. If you miss this melon but grab the checkpoint, your progress in getting 100% in the level has been destroyed, and you need to try again. Speaking of which, these levels, with all the water and such, fuck them. 
On-Rails levels aren't inherently awful, of course. I love Blade Mountain and Haunted Boardwalk, after all. What I don't like is sluggish controls in an enclosed environment with a lack of platforming, followed by a god-awful shooting gallery that takes forever to clear. You also can't see very far in front of you in the submarine levels, and while that may be a stylistic choice considering you're in the depths of the ocean, it's not so good when you're trying to avoid enemies, shoot things, collect fruit, and dodge obstacles all at the same time. This world sucks and it accentuates just how agonizing it is to commit Sudoku every time you miss a single object, because I then have to go through the same garbage I did before. I guess the one thing it does well is when you destroy the Mega Whale, the sea turns black to foreshadow Ghost Island. I always felt that was a cool note to end the level on. While talking about repetition, perhaps the most annoying thing about grabbing everything in a level is the fact that you need to grab a Galaxian in almost every one. I never particularly liked these mazes in the first game, but thankfully they've cut the bullshit here. They do get repetitive considering how many mazes you have to complete, but it's Pac-Man. And Pac-Man is fun, so I can't really complain much. What is frustrating is having to repeat the same maze after missing another collectible in a level though. That's probably a primary reason people don't like revisiting levels, because if you don't 100% them, you have to grab everything again, including the Galaxian. And while I do think that recollecting things in Pac-Man World 2 isn't infuriating at all, the Galaxian can kill that momentum. It's frustrating. Speaking of frustrating, how about those bosses? Almost all of the bosses in this game are absolutely mindless. Pac-Man tells you how to kill Blinky's frog, completely destroying any semblance of challenge in the boss, even though it flaunts its weak points constantly. Inky's machine can be destroyed in seconds by a series of rev rolls. Here's the boss in its entirety. Pinkies is a little more challenging, but only due to her killer snowballs. The Mega Whale is a matter of shooting it until it dies, but sometimes it swims away, making you wait what feels like an eternity before you can shoot it again. And Spooky, disappointingly, goes down without much of a fight despite an attempt at being challenging. I forgot to mention one boss though, Clyde's fight is the other extreme. It's absolutely insane. When you butt bounce off the top of his machine, the camera resets and positioning yourself as you fall to the ground is janky as hell. On top of that, his projectiles leave fire all over the platform. I suppose as a culmination of fighting these machines it seems decent, but with its overall jankiness and little room to breathe it feels unfair. So yeah, not a single one of these bosses is very fun. Pac-Man World 2 doesn't feel like it needed bosses, honestly. The original game had a few great bosses, and it made sense considering that game's pace. The game focused more on exploration than platforming challenges. But here, all they do is slow the game down. Thankfully, if you clear them, you never have to play them again. Beat them once, and they're out of your mind. So, that's good. Another thing that can make playing this game annoying is the camera. While this game's fully 3D nature benefits the series' level design and mechanics, it shows that this was the team's first time experimenting with a 3D camera. It constantly gets stuck on objects where there are workarounds for these problems, like in Super Mario Sunshine, for example. When the camera is in front of an object, a silhouette of Mario appears, and when the camera gets stuck on an object, it immediately snaps back to Mario. But in Pac-Man World 2, you have to constantly fight with it when you're in an enclosed space. The camera attempts to automatically set itself to a fixed angle in certain scenarios, but that can make it even more annoying to deal with. Whew. 
anyway, so as much as I like to go on about Pac-Man World 2 and how it creates an immensely replayable and rewarding experience, it still needed a ton of work. It truly is a remarkable game, but I can understand why people can't get into it. Although, there is one aspect of the game that seems to be universally agreed upon. The soundtrack. Fucking hell, it is so good. The music was composed by David Logan, and he did an excellent job capturing the upbeat, adventurous essence of each area, with each of them carrying their own motif. The snow levels in particular heavily rely on strings and brass, the reasoning of which isn't immediately apparent. Then Avalanche Alley hits you like a truck and you realize how intense they're supposed to feel. Finally, the similar melody is ramped up one last time with the percussion-focused track in Blade Mountain. There's also a motif repeated throughout the soundtrack, a main theme of sorts. Although it becomes scarce during the snow levels, that is, until this level shows up. At this point, the primary motif may have escaped your memory, but as the level progresses... Yeah, this game's music is pretty cool. It's also entirely MIDI. No live instruments were used to my knowledge. There are times where you can tell it's synthetic, with trumpet notes sounding exactly the same as the last, but most of the time I couldn't tell. That's damn impressive, so kudos to David Logan for creating some incredible music. Well, I suppose that's all I have to say about Pac-Man World 2. I firmly believe it is one of the most enjoyable 3D platformers I've ever played, but similarly to what I said in my video on Sonic Riders, your enjoyment depends on how much time you want to put into the game. However, Pac-Man World 2 is focused enough so you can get into it without any problems, it conveys everything damn well, and it has a lot to offer for fans of the genre. The real struggle for people comes from the lack of drive to replay levels and achieve more each time, but that's where I think a lot of the fun comes from. So, as it stands, I think Pac-Man World 2 is an incredible example of how to design a compelling collectathon that doesn't overwhelm the player, while also accommodating for all players. But its structure is not for everyone. Regardless, I highly encourage people to take the plunge, if they want a platformer that they can revisit for years to come. Because unlike Sonic Riders, the replayability doesn't come from figuring out what you're trying to do. It comes from playing levels over and over again to do better each time, and finally 100% complete them. Just like coming back to an arcade machine over and over again trying to get a better score. That's why people still talk about this game, but that's also why some people can't get into it. Pac-Man World 2 is fun, but it's in a very unique situation. But if you've never played it and this video got you interested in it, the game might be for you. With all that said, I've been Liam Triforce, and I'd like to thank you for watching. Hope you enjoyed that video on Pac-Man World 2. It's a game I've been playing for a long time now, and I still think it holds up pretty well, but I completely understand why it doesn't have the crazy following that I thought it would. If you want to support me, I have a Patreon page. You'll be able to look at drafts of scripts. You'll be able to listen to a podcast where me and my friends ramble about shit. And you'll be able to see your name scroll right here, as they should be scrolling right now. Thanks, future Liam. Alright. Anyway, thanks for watching once again, and I'll see you guys in the next one.